Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Colts Cast. My name is Eric Smith, co-host of the Colts Cast. Alongside me, as always, I have Jamal Lawrence here. What it do? What it do? We are here to talk about anything and everything Indianapolis Colts. Please be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is going to be at the Colts Cast, and on Instagram, it's at Colts Cast. Not only will you see new episodes posted on there, but you will see posts from us, polls we run, exciting highlight videos, and anything in between. Again, that's at the Colts Cast on Twitter and at Colts Cast on Instagram. Jamal, if you're not ready to toss some Indianapolis Colts, I can end the episode right now. Hey, just do what you gotta do, bro. Because I mean, right. you don't sound ready. Thank you for listening to the Colts cast today. <laughs> <I'm really> <laughs> <laughs> On today's episode, we discuss seven burning questions for the Indianapolis Colts fans surrounding training camp. So just like our rapid, rapid fire session in the past, you know, we're going to be tackling some questions I know Colts Nation have on their mind. We love doing this, just the back and forth. It's like we're doing first take or something, but... We got seven questions. Jamal, you ready to get into it? Let's get it. All right. So I'll ask you first. All right. Biggest standout so far. Who's it be? Who it be? Ooh, who it be? That's a that's a tough one. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I've enjoyed kind of watching everything that's going on. Um, believe it or not, though, if I had to pick one, I'm probably gonna say I'm probably gonna say Matt Ryan. And okay. And the reason why I think Matt Ryan is because, again, of course, just like the other the rookies or any free agent we picked up, they're coming into a brand new system. They're trying to learn something that's going on. But quarterbacks, man, they they have one of the toughest roles on the field. We know that they they all the responsibility goes to them. Um, we saw last year JT Rush, eighteen hundred yards. When still got a lot of bad talk about it. you know. So I just say that because it doesn't just just because. Other people on the team can do well doesn't mean that you're, you know, you can be out in the fire. So I think that I'm, I've been impressed with what he's brought to the table. I didn't really know much about him or his demeanor or kind of uh, his work ethic leading into leading into um, him coming out to us. And when I remember the first time people were saying, like there were whispers coming out saying that, oh, he's Peyton, he's Peyton S. And I was like, ah, I mean, don't, you can't really put those two in the same sentence but one thing I will say about Peyton, and I think anybody who knows Peyton or have seen him over the years knows that he is a jerk <laughs> when it comes to on the field presence. But that's what made him so great. When you sit there and you're passive, uh, you kind of just kind of go with the flow. It doesn't really work out that well for you. And those new reports that came out here recently talking about Matt Ryan just being a jerk, you know, just kind of in your face every play making sure you get to the ball, you know, trying to get everybody up to speed. That's what I like because that's what a leader can do. And kind of like we talked about last episode, that's because he has one goal. He wants to get to the championship. He wants to win. He wants to, he doesn't want to have that 28 to three flop again. Like he wants to get to the promised land and that's what we need. And I've really liked it. And I, I feel like what's happened with him coming in with this demeanor, it's just allowed everybody else to kind of up their game a level. And I don't want to say that we have been clowns in the past when it comes to training camp, but just by the way the players are talking, the media is talking, it kind of stood out to me that everyone's like, well, this is different this year. It's more serious this year. It's like, well, 
damn, what the hell was going on the, in the past years uh, <laughs> during training camp where all of a sudden someone walks in and tells you you better run to the line, and you're like, oh, I better run. Yeah, so that kind of stood out to me. So I really like the production he's put in so far. I hope it transla- uh, transitions onto the field. But I think that with what's up against him at this age, coming into a brand new offense, and knowing that the pressure is going to be on him all the way, all the way, especially after our last year quarterback situation, I've really appreciated the effort he's put in so far to the team. What about you? Okay. I I definitely appreciate that. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I'm going to go with my boy, Alec Pierce. Mm, I thought about him. So we were hyping him up before training camp. Alec Pierce, he got next up. He going to be top three offensive rookie of the year. We're starting to see flashes of, you know, what Alex, Alec Pierce can be. So we, we've already seen some film on him. He's making some great catches. He's beating press coverage. He's, his, his routes that he has ran, it, it, it looks polished. Like, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I know that they're stacking up Stephon Gilmore on him a lot. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So mm-hmm. he's going to get even better having our best corner, arguably, on him the entire time at training camp. So all the hype we had about Alec Pierce, I think it's it's coming to fruition. He's going to be really good, and he stood out to me. No, and it's funny you mention that because Wright even said in, uh, on his press conference uh, today, he was talking about Pierce. One of the questions that was asked is, has Gilmore been put on Pierce intentionally? And Wright's just kind of like, no, it's just been the way the scheme is. He said, we've been running our plays, and we don't really make our plays to go against our defense. So it's just kind of how the chips have fallen. And whether that's true or they intentionally put him on there, I'm glad it's happening because, like you said, man, you can only go up from here. It it was interesting, though, because Pierce said in his interview, he was, you know, one of the questions was how did he feel about going up against Stefan? He kind of talked about how Gilmore uh, was able to read basically all his routes based off his stance, how he was lined up. And that's just veteran knowledge. Uh, and that's what a defensive rookie of the, or excuse me, defensive player of the year knowledge is right there. So I kind of like that. But it kind of tickled me when he when he was asked if his if Gilmore is the basically the best corner he's ever had to go against. It's like, you know, he's really good. He said, but I was fortunate to play against really good corners when I was uh, in Cincinnati. And it's not anything I'm not used to. I was like, whoa, <laughs> all right. That's a pretty high thing to say about your corners from Cincinnati. When we're talking about a, a lockdown corner like Gilmore to compare the two, but just thought that, yeah. that uh, uh, Pierce, <laughs> please don't say that. Please don't say I played these court against these corners in college, and you know it's it ain't nothing to it. You're in the NFL now. I mean, you're playing against the big boys, and Stephon yeah. Gilmore is one of the big boys in that position. So probably not the best choice of words from him. Yeah. Let's move on. Is Nick Cross a week one starter? Yes. Mm. That's it? That That's your whole answer? All right, I that's basically it. my whole no, <laughs> no, at this at this point, though, I will say yes, man. This dude has been dominant in every aspect of training. Every day, I feel like we're getting a new clip of Nick Cross, except for today when we saw Julian Blackman. But every day, I'm seeing Nick Cross just batting down balls over Jelani over getting the interception over Mac. I think he had another uh, bat down against Mac. Dude's all over the place. And again, 6'1". This guy's is not the he's not the biggest and he's just 
he's making it look easy. And I think with McLeod being out right now, or excuse me, not being out, but getting low reps, um, just because he's just coming back from injury or from the surgery there, I think that he has a chance to earn his starting spot. And I mean, it's not to mention we literally put our chips in the basket, our eggs in the basket for getting him. We knew that we wanted to get Nick Cross. So Ballard saw something in, in him while he was at Maryland. And I kind of feel like it's kind of all coming into play the way it's supposed to. Uh, I don't know if he'll be the always starter, but I do think right now he, he's he's earning that spot and it's looking real good for him. So on one hand, we have Rodney McLeod, 32-year-old vet, solid. Mm-hmm. Very solid. Has a lot of experience on his hands, but solid. Nothing more, nothing less, you know. Um, he's, again, he's been a starter for many years. He has that experience, and that's very important. Currently on the pup list, recovering from the knee procedure. I, I don't know if he's officially off yet. No, I, I don't think he is. I know he been, he's been getting off and on reps, but I, I don't believe he's, like, officially off the list yet. Okay. But then on the other hand... Like you were just saying, we have Nick Cross. He's shown flashes of brilliance. We've seen him make plays in training camp. I mean, this is this is what Ballard saw in him mm-hmm. when we traded up to acquire him. A little safety out of Maryland. We've seen the explosiveness and athleticism. I like what I see, too. And it's also going to be interesting what Gus Bradley does with the defense because I think he's going to utilize some three uh, third safeties. So, mm. I mean, he might be out there regardless, but I'm going to just ride with Rodney McLeod just because of experience. I That's think fair. he starts next to Julian Blackman week one. We'll see what happens. Um, not the end of training camp yet. I, Of course, Nick Cross has stood out you know, more than McLeod, but that's because McLeod hasn't been practicing. So, we'll see. Jamal, what style of quarterback will Matt Ryan bring to our offense? We'll be back after a quick break. If if you look really well at the revenues of the different clubs and so on, like AC Milan uh, has had uh, a kind of dark time of uh, around yeah. the decade, right? You know, we we kind of uh, fifteen years ago we were leveled with Man United in terms of revenues, uh-huh. uh, Madrid and Barca, right? Sure. Like they've all taken off, they've all really developed commercially. AC Milan kind of stayed pretty much flat in terms of revenues until like three years ago. The new kind of leadership team came on board and started looking at things in a in a in a different way. So we also acknowledge, you know, we 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 have a lot to do, uh, a lot. I think he'll bring the the gunslinger mentality to Indy, just because that's that's what he knows, that's what he loves. Um, I mean, again, he's eclipsed four thousand yards what every season except for like one. One or two seasons, he's been, and even those seasons, I think one was like 3,600 yards, one was 3,900, so just missed it. Uh, he, he's he's known for that. And I think that his, kind of as I talked about earlier, his fast pace uh, and his dominance is what he is good at or what he's used to. And that's what he wants to really bring to our offense. Um, I think the biggest thing I'm curious to know about, though, is is with this mentality he has and this like hard nose go getter, how will that translate onto the field? Because it's I feel like it's always easy when you're going through reps in practice, you're trying to build up the lackluster, you know, make it make it better. 
But how is this going to work when JT breaks for a 25, 30 yard run? How is it going to work when we have a play action pass, you know, for a nice 20, 30 yard pickup? Are we going to be able to really get back to the ball, get sick at the next play rolling that quickly? Or is it something where it looks good during practice because we already have four, five, six plays that we know we're going to run because we're we're in scenarios right now, you know? Uh, so I'm very curious to see how that'll transition. Um, I hope he can keep the same intensity. But I definitely think he'll bring the gunslinger mentality here to Indy. I believe so, too. Um, I just know for the sixth straight year, the Colts have a different starting quarterback in week (laughs) one. I mean, I'm tired of seeing that. I hope Matt Ryan, you know, if he performs well, is there in 2023 Mm -hmm. because, geez, how many quarterbacks are we going to have learning our playbook, adjusting to our offense? But yeah, I think the style he brings is just intelligent football. So, you know, we're not going to be seeing him basically. I I don't see him calling all these audibles, going off script, you know, scrambling out the pocket off his off. You know, if if his if his first target isn't up, Um, I think he's going to be a guy that's just going to be intelligent. He's going to get those pre-snap reads down. He's going to be able to read a defense. He, he's a veteran at that position. He knows how to read the defense. He's He, he can process it fast. He, he's a smart guy. He's an accurate quarterback. That's what I see. I want to see intelligent football. Kind of probably not the most exciting football, mm-hmm. but he's going to understand our process, our offense, and do what it takes to win games. So basically counter hero ball <laughs> yeah which is fine we'll take it we got enough elusive players we can deal with them absolutely will rodrigo blankenship be the number one kicker when the season begins this is a tough one because like i told you when i was out there at camp man it was looking rough jake verity was out there just booting 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 all day long uh but i think blankenship as we mentioned before it's his spot to lose um he has a ton to prove he doesn't have the biggest leg, which we all know that. How can he make this leg better or prove that he needs to be there? Frank Wright even mentioned today in his interview that they're not going to do it like they did a couple of years ago where they had all these different tests and stuff they ran for the kickers. They're just going to kind of let it play out how it how it does uh, throughout camp, which I think is pretty interesting because, I mean, I don't know. I, I like to kind of be comfortable with my kicker position, which I'm sure they have something in the back of their mind of who they're wanting to go with. He's just not going to spill the beans on that. But I'd be curious just to know what are what attributes are they looking for? You know, obviously we want consistency. We want people who are able to to be accurate because although we really we don't want to be kicking from a 50 plus yard field goal, that's not reality. You know, we're not perfect, so they're going to be those scenarios. So we have to be comfortable enough to be able to send out Blankenship if he's going to be our number one at a 55, 56 yarder, or do we go for it now on fourth and fourth and seven, and then risk giving up the ball on the back, you know, on the, on their own, or excuse me, on our own uh, side. So that makes it tough. Um, we got a little bit of time left for training camp. Uh, based off what I saw, I don't think he will be number one uh, just because Jake Verity was out there booting, but that was just one day. You know, I, I can't, I can't base everything off one day. Jamal, you hit the nail on the head. Are we comfortable when we're, you know, further than the 33-yard line to send out Blankenship to hit a 52-yarder? Because I can tell you right now, Jamal, how many 
50 plus yard field goals did blanket ship attempt last season? I don't even know. One. We oh. attempted one from 50 plus, and of course he missed it. Yeah, so that shows no confidence there already. Yeah, so why are we only attempting one field goal from 50 yards mm-hmm. plus? I mean, like I said, that's that's the 33-yard line or or further back. Why is that, Jamal? I, I think it's because the coaching staff, they, they don't they trust them. Yeah. They, they don't trust them to be able to make it from that far. You know, teams with great kickers will attempt you know, five to six a season because games come down to single points, mm-hmm. a field goal. They They do. I just think if we had more faith in our kicker, we wouldn't be tied with the eighth most fourth down attempts in the NFL. <laughs> might not Yikes. seem a lot, but that's top 25%. Like I said, it comes down to single points. It comes down to a few plays to grind out a win. Mm-hmm. So I said this on the last episode. I just want the best kicker available. Yeah. Another stat. Blankenship was 29th in the league in field goal percentage at 78.6%. They're only 32 teams. Exactly. So that's 78.6%. Like on the surface, you're like, oh, wow. I mean, he only misses one every, you know, four kicks. But yeah, that's three points. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. So he shouldn't be a shoe in to start in 2022. There needs to be competition in that spot to prevent complacency. I just won't be surprised if they give Verity that number one spot if he continues to shine in training camp. Because I think I read the other day they were both four for four from from where they were kicking from. So they both hit 100%. You know, Verity continues to shine. Why not give him a chance? Yeah. Jamal, who will win the wide receiver two spot? It's another tough one, man. Because I've read so much about how well Paris Campbell – has been doing this is his year you know he's looking like the Paris Campbell that everyone knows and loves etc etc I just haven't really seen any footage of it so I can't really compare however on the contrary I've seen so much footage on Alec Pierce I've seen him run these pass routes I've seen him you know on press coverage so it is only fair for me to say that I think that Pierce will win it because I have seen physical evidence to let me know that he is doing what he's supposed to. I'm not saying that Campbell hasn't been out there balling because I'm sure he has been, but I would just like to see more. And I, I probably could be a, a lack of research when it comes to that, but I just feel like there's just an abundance of Pierce info out there. Um, but one thing that I did hear in the interview they were talking about was kind of just about like body placement. That's where I was thinking of body placement for the ball, because of course, Matt Ryan is throwing the ball where he expects you to be versus where the receivers are trying to – they're trying to learn. I think Michael Pittman said he he always want to find the green, but then Pierce was saying how, he, you know, you, you have to try to find out where Ryan's going to throw the ball. So I think that could be a huge factor too because I don't care if you're a great route runner, great getting away from press coverage. If you can't get to the pinpoint where Ryan expects you to be, then you mean nothing. That's like being able to run a 4-3, a but you can't catch a ball. It, it means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme. So I think that that will be a huge factor when it comes to who can kind of mesh better with him um, and and be the most successful. So I'll argue the other side. I think this is a toss-up. This is going to be one of the top position battles. But I, I don't know. I know you haven't seen a lot. I've seen a good bit. Campbell's giving me the wide receiver two vibes. 
So yeah, I like I, a healthy. I need to watch it. A healthy Paris Campbell looks scary. Like when he's running the drag or slant route. Ugh. And he's gonna have Matt Ryan throwing to him. Matt Ryan, who we've seen, we've seen numbers on his ability to throw those intermediate passes. Everyone talks about his confidence throwing over the middle. Where is Paris Campbell going to be running? Over the middle. Whether it's coaches or players, you're hearing about it. Hearing about Matty Ice's ability to throw over the middle. So I'm liking this. I, I didn't think about this a whole lot before, but I think it's going to be some good chemistry built there. Um, I've seen a lot of, oof, Paris Campbell looks deadly. But of course, this training camp, I don't want to get too hyped, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Gotta see him in, yeah. in real life. We know action. we gotta make it out of training camp yeah. for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think with the hel- healthy Paris Campbell, who can it, it simply looks like he generates separation with ease. He's just so elusive and agile. You get him on that crossing route, it's gonna be and I won't say every single time, but it can be a huge play. Well, good. I'm glad you argued that because, like I said, it's it's from a lack of research on my side. So I'm glad to hear that you've seen this because I'm hoping for the best for the man. Shoot, I, I would love someone who has NFL tenure to get in there that wide uh, wide receiver two spot and and ball out. So let's hope he stays healthy. Jamal, will Jonathan Taylor's workload increase, decrease, or stay about the same? In a perfect world, I would hope it would increase because I would hope that he can continue to to build on his legacy. But I think in this setting with Matt Ryan uh, being the quarterback he is, I think it will stay about the same because, and again, in Frank Wright's interview today, when he was, or yeah, I think it was today, when he was talking about um, the style of offense, that run play action run play action so when i hear the run i'm still thinking we're thinking frank Reich, 55 57 or excuse me 62 64 percent run you know anywhere from that 58 to 64 percent run and then the pass on the back side um and i i mean with the weapon like jt why not utilize the play action M- matt ryan of course like we said he's not a scrambling quarterback but once we can we can build eight nine in the box perfect time to hit a play action to to Paris Campbell to MPJ to Pierce to do whoever's out there it doesn't matter um so I think that his it will stay about the same just because we'll probably use him more for the guinea pig as well but I, I would like to kind of see it increase a little bit because I think that with someone at his age he he can definitely take it we don't want to be overused but he could definitely take it in and continue to build on because he's only getting better um one other thing before I let you go that that I was reading about him was he kind of talked about how he spent this entire offseason going back and watching the film of the things he did incorrectly. That's a humbling thing for someone who played at such a high level like he did because he doesn't he didn't necessarily have to go back and look at that. He could listen to the to the coaches or whatever, and I'm sure they would probably hype him up more than not. But to go back and watch every single play to see how you weren't how you weren't weren't, I put that in quotes patient for getting through the line when we saw how patient he was every single play he would sit there and just kind of wait for the play to develop and go so you saw those quote lost opportunities I think that that just means that he's going to step his game up to another level this year especially with the weapon of knowing that he doesn't necessarily have to take all the 
all the load at running back like he did last year, I think it can make him even better this year. Um, so I'll be curious to see what happens. I like how you said run to set up the pass. I guess you didn't say it exactly like that, but that's what I'm hoping we do. You know, just like you said, stacking up the box, run a little play action. Boom, we're moving the chains. That's what that's that's what I think about in a balanced offense. We run to set up the pass. I mean, you could potentially pass to set up the run, but I think it's run mm-hmm. to set up the pass, in my opinion. Jamal, I'm going to disagree with you again. It better not increase. It doesn't need to increase. <laughs> Why does it need to? I wouldn't, I honestly want to hate if it stayed the same. Because we know Jonathan Taylor had 332 rushes last season. Yeah. Rushing we attempts. Only that 370. He played every single game, so that's about 20 a game. If a running back is averaging 20 attempts a game, at his age, I'm not mad. 16 to 18 seems to be average for a bell cow back. So I, I pulled eight running backs. You know, Nick Chubb, Elijah Mitchell, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, JT. Ranges from 16 to 19 a game. So not total attempts, but what they're doing per game. Because JT and Najee Harris, out of all of them, were the only ones that played 17 games. So... Unless your passing game is anemic, a single running back on your team probably shouldn't be going over that. Probably something like a 27 rushes a game like Derrick Henry was doing last year (laughs) in his eight games played. Isn't that crazy? 27 plays, he's running the ball. So we're not even counting what he does if they're even involving him in the passing game, which we know Derrick Henry doesn't get that involved out the backfield. But 27 rushes and y'all know with the Titans what, what they're going to do most plays. They're giving them Derrick Henry. <laughs> so you got, you know, five or six bodies probably getting put on you every single play. And I wonder, and I suspect, that that led, that that massive workload just led to his injury. We'll see how healthy it is this season and if his workload stays the same because they lost A.J. Brown. You know? Does mm-hmm. Traylon Burke? come in and replace what AJ Brown does maybe but you know what I said about the curse of 370 yeah that's the theory that that says if you have 370 or more carries you will suffer an injury or a considerable decline we saw that with Derrick Henry yeah he broke that number boom he had a freak injury don't know if look I don't know if that curse is real. Why Why even play with it, though? Like, why are we even going to test it? We don't need to test that theory. I'm all about, you know, minimizing risks. So, yeah, no, that that's, that's true. That's definitely true, and that's fair. I just want to bring out one point for you. You know, when you talked about your five to six bodies uh, being on him. And we got to remember, this man had 1,213 yards after contact. So, I mean, that that's eight more yards than Joe Mixon had the total season. So, I, and, and I'm not going to say that all those came from second level when he got to the backers because I know there's plenty of times when a defensive tackle touched him or whatever. But I like to think that JT was smart enough to not, to not get hammered by four down defensive linemen every single play. Uh, you know, and I'm not taking away anything you said because I, I I agree. When you break it down like that, I agree. I would like it to stay about the same. I think increase uh, – the only thing I would like to see increase is maybe his, his like, 
and like you said, his passing, or I should his, his catching, his swing passes, maybe some screens or something like that. But I don't. I, I I retract what I said. I don't want him to actually increase his running load. But I just wanted to bring up those yards after contact because, well, he has six hundred yards pre, you know, before contact, and then the rest was legit after he got touched. So he was able to kind of break up. I like to think in theory to the next level to maybe he's not getting hit in the backfield because our O-line was so good. Like a Derrick Henry maybe have gotten trying to break off a three, four people before he even reaches, you know, the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he's usually exploding out of that hole. So when he's getting touched, he's not, you know, getting bumped around as much. He's just, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's breaking through those tackles. So I hear what you're saying. Last question. Oh, I don't know if I did. Did we ever decide if Bobby Okariki or Oko Okarike? Okarike is it Okarike? I, I I don't think we ever we ever went and found out completely. I do still believe it's Okarike, but we do need to find out. Well, let's go with that. Does Bobby Okarike deserve a second contract? In short, I think yes. He's really excelled. He's gotten better each season, um, and he has a lot to prove this season. Again, as we talked about in an earlier episode, I mean, linebacker is is a pretty is an important position for us. And of course, we know Darius is the star, but but Okereke, I mean, he led our team in tackles last year. He balled out. He had 132 tackles mm-hmm. last year. Uh, he only had two interceptions and one sack, but. I mean, when I look at that 132, I mean, he was there. He was there. And it's only gone up, up, up from his rookie year where he had 65. 2020, he had 72. Then, boom, doubled, you know, to 132. So um, I think that he's definitely comfortable where he is. And I think that we should definitely look at paying him uh, this for this his second contract. I just don't know what kind of details we should be paying after we've spent so much money on a, a D Leonard. That was going to be my one and only point. So <laughs> Darius Leonard is, is probably the highest paid linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Five year, about $99 million contract. Uh, I just don't think, I mean, even if he outperforms this year, this all goes back to what we talked about with the linebacker value. So I don't I don't think Chris Ballard's going to want to afford yeah to pay a middle linebacker the money Okereke probably wants like if he if he what if he puts up even more numbers this year like his solo tackles are higher his missed tackle percentage is lower maybe grabs 3 interceptions instead of 2 mm-hmm. like his stock just goes up but how much up because those middle linebackers they they don't they're they're just valued a little less. So I, I think he's been a nice consistent starter for us though. Um I just I don't we give him a second contract if it's worth if if it's basically worth it. If yeah. our salary cap can afford it. I, I just ooh. Like imagine if he got like I don't know, like four year 70 million like that that's yeah. a lot of money and it is a lot of money what would his replacement do mm-hmm. if we paid him significantly lower so mm-hmm. it's nothing against bobby okariki o- okarike i'm sorry 
but financials do come into play. I mean, we talk about it with Quinn Nelson as well. Yeah. Quinn Nelson's sure. going to get a big contract. How much should we pay him? Are we even going to pay him? Things like that come up just because the guard market, it, I know he's the elite mm-hmm. guard, top top two, top three, top one, whatever you want to call him. But they usually don't get paid like tackles. So, tackles, yeah. Why is that? Tackle is valued higher. I mean, they, it just comes down to that. So does he deserve a second contract? That's that's yet to be seen. I think right now he does. How much, though, would probably be an additional question. And I, I can't I can't say right now. We got to see what our salary cap is looking like. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to be it, everyone. I want to thank everyone for tuning into the Colts cast. We release episodes every Monday and Friday morning, except this one's getting released Thursday morning. We're taking the weekend off. We're going to be out of town. Sorry, guys, but we'll be back. Yeah, we'll be back. Yeah, we're going to be back next Friday after we get home. So we'll see you next Friday. You guys have a good rest of the week. Take care. Take care.